So we're sharing with you this morning, you know, our role here at the church is we give oversight to college to cradle. So those from babies all the way to young adults and even the young adults when they act like babies. Amen. So college to cradle, helping the smooth transition from children's to youth, from youth to young adult, and then incorporating here into uh, the overall church congregation. You know, one of the most important things that, that our church that we do is, is we're very selective of who we have where and what they're doing. In fact, in staff meeting this week, the topic came up about, about volunteer selection and background checks and ministry safe and all these things. And you know what came out? What came out in our staff meeting was this. It's so important that we put the right people with our money and with our kids. Amen? So my role, Natalie's role, we're the vault keepers for the young people, for the children. You know what? You can take my money. You can take my house, take my tithe, take my offering, rob my bank accounts, foreclose my house, hold me ransom for anything, but don't lay a hand on my children. Because that is how important that they are. Because you can take everything else from me, but you lay a hand on my kids and I'll become a madman and I'll hunt you down. That's how valuable our children are. So it's so important. So we felt that it was important to be able to communicate and to share because parents want to know who is with my kids. And so that's my role here. It's my wife's role. We give oversight to the to the children, the youth, the young adult ministries. And we want to make sure that your home, this is our church home. We want to make sure that your home, that it is a place of winning and it's a place that's, that's a place that's safe because home should always be those two places, those two things. Home should always be the place that is the safest place ever. It's the safest place on the planet to be. And it's the place where you score the most points. It's like baseball. Home plate, that White House home plate right there is the safest place on the field. It's safer than being at first base and second base and third base. Home base is the safest place and it's also the place where you score the most points. You know what? You don't score the most points out there in your in your 501c3 ministry or your CEO status or your wealth or your job or your business or your place of education or your master's degree, your doctorate degree. All of those are good things, but the place where it really counts is when you're at home. On the baseball field, it doesn't count when you're at first, second, and third if you never make it home. So if home is not a safe place, then we're missing it somewhere. So we want to make sure that this church is a church, your church home. It's a place that's safe, and it's a place that's winning, and that you and your homes, that it's a place that's safe, and that it's a place that's winning. Because when we all have prodigal sons and daughters, and when they leave, and when they go, and they go off, and they lose their mind temporarily, and they want to come home, they want to come home. Is it safe? And is it a place that's winning? Is it a place where they're going to score points? That's what we want. We want that to be our church home. When there's prodigals that have been through our church and been through our ministry and they're out in the world and they're losing their mind and they come pulling themselves back home, we're going to love them, embrace them and say, you know what? We love you. This is a place that's safe. And the same thing with our children because they're our kids no matter what. So the title of the message this morning is Experiencing the power of prayer to change your family. Experiencing the power of prayer to change your family. Taking control of your family's circumstances. It's time for you to get control of your circumstance and not let your circumstance have control on you. I brought this umbrella here this morning because I want to talk to you about, about rain. 
about having the reign of God in your family and the reign of God that could change your family circumstance and change your family situation. We got that, that song queued up. I want to go ahead and play just, just a couple seconds of this song. Some of our, uh, our grandparents might know this song. Sound familiar to anyone? Every time it rains, it rains Pennies from heaven Rains pennies from heaven Don't you know each cloud contains Pennies from heaven You'll find your fortunes falling All over the town be sure that your umbrella is upside down. Trade them for a package of sunshine and flowers. If you want the things you love, you must have showers. So when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree There'll be pennies from heaven For you and me That's good, guys. Thank you very much. Frank Sinatra. There will be pennies from heaven for you and for me. See, I believe that God wants it to rain change in our life. To rain change in our circumstances. To rain change over your family. To rain change over your children. And I'm not just talking about change that can buy stuff. I'm talking about change that can make you be stuff. Having change that buys stuff is important. It costs money to go to college. It costs money to go to school. It costs money to have a car. It costs money to have kids. It's expensive to live, and that's important. But more importantly, it is change that can buy stuff. God wants, us, wants it to rain pennies from heaven or change from heaven that we can be stuff. Because if you got change that can buy stuff, but you haven't received the change so you can be stuff, then you're going to be in a big in a big dilemma. You've got to first be stuff before you can buy stuff. And so the Bible is all throughout the Bible. There's so many parables and situations where, where rain comes and rain signifies the blessing of God to bring forth a change, a change of circumstance, a change of season. First Kings chapter 18, verse 41 through 43, starting in verse 41. This is the story about Elijah when he, he prays and declares rain and it comes and it showers down in such a great and mighty way. It says this in verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, get, go and get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. I hear a mighty rain. See, before you ever, come on somebody, before you ever, before you ever see it, you're going to hear it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How do we receive faith? Faith comes by what? Hearing the word of God. So before you're ever going to see it, you're going to first hear it. Are you in tune for the opportune time? He said, go get something to eat. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, but Elijah, he climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed down low to the ground and he prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. And then the servant, he went and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. 
And Elijah's like, you know what? You don't see anything, but what did I tell you? I told you I heard it. See, so many people around us, they may not see God's promise. They might not see God's blessing, but if there's somebody that can hear it. Oh, are you the hearer in your family or what? Your kids don't see their future, but I hear it. Your kids don't see their destiny, but I hear it. You don't, the bills don't line up, but you hear it. The money doesn't line up. The math doesn't make sense, but you hear it. Oh, come on, somebody. Verse 43, then he said to the servant, go and look out towards the sea. Then the servant went and he looked and he returned. He said, I don't see anything. Seven times, seven times, Elijah told him to go and to look. Finally, on the seventh time, his servant said, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. And Elijah shouted, hurry, go to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. For if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And as soon as the sky was black with clouds, a heavy rain brought a terrific rainstorm. You don't just need a rainstorm in your life. You need a terrific rainstorm. Something that's terrific. In fact, it's so terrific, it's terrifying. The fear of God comes over you because you're like, oh my gosh, this is a divine rain. This is not just any rain. This isn't just any blessing. This is something from the most high God, a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab, he left quickly to Jezreel and the Lord gave a special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So you've got Jer- you've got Elijah who is he's in tune. Nobody else is nobody else is hearing it. Nobody else is seeing but he's a prophet and he can he can hear it. I hear the sound of change coming. The bre- the drought's about to uh, the drought's about to end. Come on somebody, do you hear the change coming this morning? You hear the change over your life, over your family, over your family's calling and its destiny. See, Elijah, he was in this, the prayer position that he was in is, it was actually an ancient birthing position. He bowed down, put his head between his knees, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And on the seventh time, the water broke. Come on, let me say it again. Elijah was in a birthing position when he was praying, and on the seventh time, the water broke. Paul calls it this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 24, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning has been groaning as in pains of birth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly and wait inwardly eagerly for the adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for this is the hope that we are saved. All throughout the Bible, there's this theme of birthing and birth pains. When we're baptized in water, it's more than just the water being symbolic of washing our sins away. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. You must be born of the water and of spirit. Being born of water is not baptism. Being born of water is when you are birthed into this world. What breaks? Pow! The water breaks. Then you are birthed. So when we are born again, being put into the water, and then when the water breaks, we come up out of baptism as new life into new creation. So Elijah, he's on the top of Mount Carmel, and he's in a birthing position, and he's praying. He's praying, oh, with his head bowed between his knees, and he's praying. And all of a sudden, wow, the water breaks. The drought ends. 
but there is a pain and there is a, there is a, a, a groaning and inward groaning. Jesus, when he was on the cross, what happened? He was stuck with the spear. And what came out of him? Blood and water. That's what happens when somebody's born again. When they're birthed in real life, what happens? Blood and water. The water breaks. So there's going to be a breaking of water, I believe. But when this happens, you've got to make sure that you've got your prayer stance ready. I want to talk to you guys. I got a few points this morning. Number one is this. Take a prayer stance. Take a prayer stance in your family's circumstances. Elijah had a prayer stance in the midst of Israel's circumstance. You have got to take a stance in the midst of your family's circumstances. The word circumstance means to encircle. It means to encompass. It comes from the word around and to stand. The word circumstance means to stand in the midst of something that is around you. Not to just stand around, but to stand in the midst of something that seems to be around you. That's what the word circumstance means. It also means one's financial state or material welfare. Most of the time, we're like, man, I got this circumstance right here. It's interesting that our coins or our pennies, our change usually is in a circular way. This is an old coin I got in uh, Tunisia, northern Africa. It's pretty cool. It's an ancient coin. But a circumstance it's, it means to be in a state of, of, of our financial state or material welfare. You've got a circumstance in your life right now. Matter of fact, we should always have a circumstance in our life. You should have a financial circumstance because if you're dreaming big enough, you're never going to have enough where you're at right now to where you're supposed to be. If our dreams and our do not outweigh our resources, then we don't need faith in God. You should always have a dream beyond your present circumstance. If your circumstance is like this, you should have a dream for your circumstance to be like this. Because if you can handle your circumstance with your finances you got right now, then you don't need God. Dream beyond. Dream bigger. Expand. Expand that vision. Usually the word circumstance is used in a negative term. Like, man, I got the circumstance around me. But you've got to take a stand in the midst of your circumstance. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says this. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the tower. I will what? Give up? No. Curl up like a baby in a fetal position and suck my thumb because it's so bad and cry? No, I will stand. I will, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on a tower and I will wait to see what the Lord will say about me and what I will answer him. This is a prayer position. He's taking a stand on his watchtower, on his guard post and saying, what will I say and what will I hear? Take a stand in the midst of your circumstance. Like a bullfighter in the midst of an arena. Surrounded. Can't leave. You've got this thing coming at you. What are you going to do? Take a stand. Fight it. You need your economy, your personal economy to be on the bull. And offer that bull as a sacrifice unto God. Throughout the scripture we see bulls being offered as a sacrifice unto God. Come on investors. I'm speaking your language right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's on the bull. God's always on the bull. Why? Because the bull is something that is laid on the altar and is offered a sacrifice. There's an ancient historian, a Israelite leader, historical leader. His name was... His name was uh, Honey, and I was talking to somebody about this morning about what we were doing, and like, are you bringing that clown back? I said, Shaggy the clown? They said, no, 
I said, no, I'm not bringing Shaggy the Clown back. I said, but I'm talking about a guy named, named Homie. They said, Homie? I said, not Homie. They said, like, Homie the Clown? I'm like, I'm not bringing Homie the Clown on our back-to-school service. I said, not Homie, Homie, like your knee. Like you get down on, you pray on your knee. Homie. They're like, oh, who's Homie? I said, this dude, he lived about 100 years before Jesus, a generation before Jesus. And most people don't know this about Israel's history. So I'm a historian. I've got a master's degree in church history. So this goes a little bit before the church. And uh, there was such a big drought that came in Israel. It was on the brink of total disaster. I mean, they weren't able to farm. They weren't able to grow crops. It was on the brink of a disaster. Israel, could you imagine that, that if, if, if Israel would have crumbled underneath the midst of this drought, this disaster, who knows what would have happened and how long it would have taken for the Messiah to be born because it would have totally destroyed them. But there was a man, a God-fearing man, who believed who had studied the ancient scriptures about Elijah and Elisha. And he, he was so determined for Israel's future. He said, you know what? I'm going to take a stand in the midst of this circumstance. What he did is he took a stick and he drew a 360 degree circle around himself and said, I'm standing in the midst of this circumstance. God and I am not leaving this circle until you bring a rain, not just a little rain, not just a sprinkle rain, but a sustaining rain, buckets of rain, rain that changes, rain that completely changes the circumstance of this nation, the circumstance. I'm not, I'm not believing for a little bit. Everything's got to change. I'm not leaving until you send the rain. Last week, I went and I prayed prayer circles around my house. And on the seventh prayer circle, I walked my house. Neighbors with cameras got to think I was crazy. I started thanking God for everything. Started thanking God for everything. And at that seventh circle, I said, God, I thank you that it begins today. The breakthrough begins today. The next day, I got a series of emails for $650,000 worth of product orders from a company that I have interest in that will give me a financial breakthrough because of how I'm positioned in the company the very next day. Coincidence? I don't think so. I believe that it's because we took a stand and I said, God, do it now. And on the seventh circle, so Honey, he stayed and he prayed and Israel interceded with him. And before you knew it, the clouds darkened, one drop, Two drops, buckets, all of a sudden a whole outpouring in rainfall. Then he was able to leave the circle. See, this is how we've got to be. It's not the circle. It doesn't matter if it's a circle or if it's triangles or if it's, in, you know, it doesn't matter. That's not what it is. It's more of the idea of I'm taking a stand. And in the circle sense, you don't leave the ring until the fight's over. You don't get outside the ring until it's done, until you win. It's all about taking that stand, that covenant of saying, God, we are in this together. I need that type of day in my life. How many of you guys need a day like that in your life? A day like that in your family, a breakthrough day, something that shifts, something that changes to say, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm not looking back until the fight is over and I have been declared winner and God has given me victory and I'm wearing the title belt. I'm not leaving the ring. It's the ring of determination. It's like the Olympics. Can we go ahead and put that, that, that image up there? The Olympics, there's five rings, right? All linked together. That's how our families need to be in this church. 
Rings, families linked together, linked all across this church, different families hooked up in linked arms and says, you know what? These are rings of determination. These are families that have yoked ourselves and we have come together and we have joined ourselves as one. You know, the Olympics, their motto is faster, higher, stronger. For my family, my motto is greater, better, and further. Greater, better, and further. Just like the rings around a tree. When you chop down a tree, I remember the first tree that I ever chopped down. I'm sure I did some before this, but it's the only one, first one that I remember. We had bought a new home as a child and it was filled with these pine trees. We had to clear out the trees to build our house. My dad had a chainsaw and he was cutting down trees and he gave me an ax for a smaller tree. And I began to hit, hit the tree with the ax. I was probably like seven or eight years old. It wasn't going anywhere. So he came up to me and he flipped the ax around. He said, hit it this way. And before you know what happens, you start to make progress. See, so many of us in our life were like me with the axe. You got the right tools. You got the right tools. You're just hitting it with the dull end. All it takes is a little change. Doesn't take a lot, just a little turning. Just, just a little, just turn it a little bit. And you're going to start to see progress. And when that tree is chopped down, you see these rings. The first ring was the first generation. They did some great things, some good things. The second tree was the next generation. And that's when principles of, 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 of knowledge and wisdom and understanding, maybe a little bit of wealth or debt was passed on. You know what I mean? Then, then, then the next ring, and then we got stronger. And then the next ring. Now we're in a point to where now we're building a legacy. Now we're, we got generations to come. And now you're passing down inheritance from one generation to the next generation. The Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And then the next ring, and then the next ring, and the next you might be at the center ring right now maybe you don't come from a family of many rings start a new ring start a new tree you're like well, you don't know my family you don't know my family tree we've all got dirty roots on our family tree we're all from the we're all part of the adams family to be honest with you we are not a-d-d-a-m but a-d-a-m adam our great 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 grandfather who ate the fruit off of the tree sometimes we feel like the adams family my wife and I, we were fighting. I don't know. This was probably seven years ago. Cause we, probably, we haven't fought in seven years, so, you know. <laughs> it's probably seven years ago because we were on Hemingway when it happened. And we were, we were arguing. And uh, I took some change while we were fighting. And I went like this to her. We're arguing. We're fighting. I took change out of my pocket. I went. And I slid it to her. And she said, what's that for? I said, because you need change. She said, oh, oh, I need to change. I said, yeah, you need to change. So about three days later, after it cooled down, I thought, okay, we're past this. She received it from me like a slot machine. I put it in. She needs to change. I'm going to hit the jackpot, right? So a few days later, you know, I climb into bed and you know, I'm not wearing my shirt. And so I climb into bed. So I, and all of a sudden I feel on my back something cold. She's already snoozing and asleep. I'm like, all right, it's safe to go in there now. So she's out. So I slip in and I'm laying down and on my back, it's so cold. And I, I wake up, what is this? And it's this pile of change. <laughs> laying in the bed. 
And she said, I need to change. She said, you need to change. You got some more change. It's a true story. You know, none of us come from a perfect family, okay? We're not called to be perfect, but we are called to be perfected. Even, even Jesus, you look at Jesus' lineage. You got David, right, who was an adulterer and a murderer. Part of that lineage, you followed the, gene, the genealogy of Jesus back from Joseph. And if you looked at Mary's, it's probably even more messed up. But it doesn't matter because God can intervene and he's, he's a master of taking messes and turning them into life messages. So we're called, we're called to be praying for our family and praying is planting for the future. You plant a seed, you don't see the fruit of it right now. You plant a seed, you see it in the future. It's the same thing with praying for our family. From every ring, we should win. You gotta start, you gotta be the ringleader in your family. Be the ringleader in your family right now. Plant for the future. Plant for the future. Number two is this. Pray boldly, relentlessly, and at opportune times for your family's circumstances. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Go before the throne of grace boldly. It doesn't say timidly. How many times do we say, oh God, I'm, I'm such a sinful person and oh, I messed up and all this and that. Oh, if you could find, maybe possibly find it within your goodness to do this for me. And he's like, I said, come boldly before the throne. Come boldly. Proverbs chapter 28, verse one, you can't go boldly before the throne unless you're righteous. The righteous are bold as a lion. And we all know that Robert Martinez is righteous because of his, his, uh, his video this morning with the Lion King, Right? Those who caught that video saw it. The righteous, they're bold as a lion. So when we're righteous, which means we've asked God to forgive us, we understand that our righteousness is in him. We can go before the throne of God boldly, like honey, not homie, but honey, and say, God, your word says that I am blessed, that I am highly favored. Therefore, it's in the contract. It's in the testament. It's in the will. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. And knock and knock and knock and knock until that door is open. First Thess- Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 through 18 says, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. When you feel like you're surrounded, like the song that our youth team was singing, I feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. When we're surrounded by our circumstances, give thanks and pray without ceasing. That phrase to pray without ceasing doesn't mean you pray 24-7 nonstop all the time. You couldn't function that way. It means to pray without ceasing at opportune times. At those kairos moments. That means when it's time to pray, you pray at those times. You'll be in tune at opportune times. I'm not quitting. I'm not letting up. I'm not giving up until I get my breakthrough. Because right now it's an opportune time. That might take you minutes, hours, days, weeks, or months. But in that season, you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Because when it's time to give birth, you got to push. Right? Pray until something happens. Push. Opportune times. What would have happened if Israel would have stopped walk, marching around Jericho on the sixth lap? Ah, I'm tired. I got blisters on my feet, God. Oh. I'm only walking around this thing six times. He said, okay. But the seventh time is when you're going to get your blessing. Don't quit on ring number seven. Don't quit on loop number seven. Don't quit on lap number seven. Quit when it's done. Quit when it's finished. Matter of fact, 
You don't quit until you win. Then it's over. Surrounded. Devil, we got you surrounded. We're drawing a circumstance around our circumstance. A bigger ring, a bigger circle. We have got you surrounded. God can change your circumstance. He can do a miracle. Miracles don't happen until you pray. God doesn't just do a miracle. You have got to pray for it. God can do a miracle. I brought this letter, and I'm going to read the whole thing. This is a letter I got from a lady that I ministered to in Zambia, Africa. This was many years ago, and I still have it. I was preaching at this conference called Dunamis Christian Center in Livingston, Zambia. And uh, it says this, Dear Pastor Michael, I greet you and your family in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am your child in Christ, Agnes Kalupa, from Capri Musopi, who was last attended the conference at Dudamus Christian Center. It was a life-changing conference. Pastor, as your child, I would like to thank you and God for healing me of HIV when you were praying there that Saturday night. I will not forget what the Lord has done in my life to this day. This lady, this lady came forth to receive prayer, said she had HIV and she wanted to be prayed for. And so we prayed for thousands of people. She came forward and she was prayed. We laid hands on her. And then we went throughout the country, came back about two weeks later, preached back again at this, at this, the same church. And she showed up while I was preaching, came down and was weeping at my feet and said that the Lord had healed her of HIV. She had gone and got tested and it was completely gone. And then wrote me this letter when I went back home. So I'd have, have it documented. I don't know what miracle you need. What miracle your child needs. Maybe it's a, it's a disease, a life-threatening disease. God can bring a healing and a transformation that no doctor can do. Yes, we, yes, we go to doctors. We should always go to the doctors. We should always listen to the doctors because God has given them wisdom and knowledge and God is the God of all creation. And there's many ways in which God can accomplish his will, but God can intervene and, and a miracle can take place. But God doesn't do it until we pray. Miracles are the byproduct of prayers prayed for you or prayers prayed by you. Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 29 says this. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman who was there was subject to bleeding for 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had had. Yet instead of getting better, she only grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up from behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I would be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from the suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why, brother? Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they had come to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing, groaning, birthing, crying and wailing. He went in and he said to them, why all the commotion and the wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. 
After he put them all out, he took the child's father and the mother and disciples who were with them, and he went into where the child was. He took the little girl by the hand and said to her, Talith kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. Everybody say 12 years old. And at this they were astonished. Nothing in scripture is paired next to each other by accident. And any time in scripture, which you learn when you're studying scripture and how to study the Bible, any time that there's a rep- something that's repetitive throughout scripture, and especially when it's close together, God's trying to say something. So you have this woman, she's got this life-threatening disease, an issue of blood for 12 years, 12 years, the exact amount of time that this little girl had been alive. She was how old? 12 years old. So this woman gets healed of a blood issue of 12 years, as soon as she's healed, Jesus goes and raises a what? A 12-year-old girl from the dead. In fact, the word blood and the blood issues there, it's more about a bloodline issue. An issue with her blood, some form of a disease that had been passed down from generation to generation. See, when we get healed of our bloodline issues, our blood issues, whether that be a fit, come on, you caught it. When we, as the adults, as the older generation, get our stuff healed, get our stuff together, then we can turn and say, 12-year-olds, get up! Get up! I've been dealing with it for 12 years. You're not going to do it next generation. Come on, somebody. Number three, be specific with what you want for your family. What do you want? Be specific. So I brought this lamp here. I got this when I was in the Middle East. And I brought it home. And somebody was like, you know what that is, don't you? I'm like, a magic lamp? They're like, yes. Like, haven't you seen Aladdin? I'm like, yeah, I just went to see the new one with Will Smith. He did a good job in it. They're like, no, I wouldn't put that in your house. I'm like, why? Like, what if it's got a genie in it? I said, a djinn? It's actually with the word genie means it's a jinn. That's the, that's the Arabic word for it, a jinn. You talk to people who are Islamic, they're like, they believe in a jinn, that people got good jinn or they got a bad jinn. And I said, well, in my home, what I'm going to do is this. So I pop the top off. I said, I command right now in Jesus' name, any jinn that might be in there to leave this lamp right now. And I declare it is filled with the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of the Most High God will inhabit this lamp. And it won't be a magic lamp. It'll be a miraculous lamp. It'll be filled with the all-powerful presence of God. All these jinns and genies and things like that have got to go. I declare right now in Jesus' name, this is a holy lamp. This is a lamp right here that's going to be seated on a hill. That, a, that, that the city cannot be hidden from the light that would come from it. In Jesus' Holy Spirit filled this lamp right now I said okay so then I put it back in my lamp I said it's fine it's got the spirit of God in it but you know what so God is not he's not a genie where where you rub if you just rub God right three times you get three wishes or if you rub God wrong you're going to have judgment he's not a genie in a lamp where you get these three wishes because three wishes wouldn't even been enough for Peter he denied Christ three times strike one strike two strike three he would have been out No, you have Jesus, the spirit of God for all eternity, all eternity. The Bible says this in John chapter 15, verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's not just ask whatever you wish and it will be done. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
See, when the word of God is in you and you're in God, you're going to wish right. And when you wish or when you pray according to the word of God, he has to perform it. Because your heart is right. Your motive is right. So when we pray for our families and you're specific with what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? It's like the blind man who was calling out Jesus' name. And he said, Jesus, Jesus. He stopped. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And blind man was probably thinking, what do you think I want you to do for me? I'm blind. And the blind man said, I'm blind. I want to see. Sometimes you got to say it. You got to be specific about it. When you say it and you're specific about it, then God will perform it. What do you want God to do for you and your family? Number four is this. You have to work your prayer. It's more than just having faith and religious calisthenics. Those type of calisthenics are good. Circles and getting on our knees and all that, raising our hands. All that is good. But if you don't got the spirit of God, if your heart's not right, it doesn't mean anything. To be honest with you, you might as well be at 24-hour fitness doing jumping jacks. To be, I'm, I'm honest with you. What those things are doing is they are conditioning and positioning your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions to have a posture before God that is a posture of humility. That's what it's about. Because if your heart isn't right, and if our heart isn't right, then we're like whitewashed tombs just like the Pharisees. It's about what is in your heart. And those things help us condition our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions to come before the Most High God and say, God, see my posture, see my heart. I come before you humbly. Faith alone, you can't just have faith alone or just a prayer stance because faith, of, faith alone would have killed Noah and his family. Just having faith, well, I got faith, I got faith, I got faith. Faith alone would have killed them. He still had to build the ark. can just say, okay, I have faith. God's not gonna drop an ark out of heaven. Faith without works is dangerous. In fact, it's so dangerous, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. And that's exactly what Noah and his family would have been without works. They would have been dead. If Noah would have never gotten up and said, okay, I got to put this faith to work, my family and I are going down with everybody else. Faith without works is dangerous. In fact, it's so dangerous, James chapter 2 says it's dead. And faith without works is a sure shot for disappointment. Be specific, but you have got to work your prayer. The power to change your family is already in you. It's already in you. It's like this iPad right here or this computer. If you don't push the power button on this computer, it's just metal. It's just plastic. You might as well eat your pizza on it tonight. Throw it away. It's worth nothing. It's worth absolutely nothing. It's junk. If you never just hit the little circle button, the power button on it, it's a piece of trash. The moment that that power goes out, you're going to throw it away. It's no different than this or this piece of plastic or that piece of plastic. But you've got to push the power button. See, the power is already in you. But you've just got to push the button. Then you can activate your true potential. Then you can activate your true value. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. It's in me. You have got to work your prayer. You've got to push the button. You've got to activate it. Eight circle action steps to take control of your family's circumstances. And I'm going to close here in just a moment. Simple things, eight action steps to work your prayer. Number one, pray and prophesy over your family routinely. 
pray over my kids and my family every day. We pray at least three times a day together. Pray with them in the morning. We pray with them over our meals. And we pray with them when we go to bed. Prophesy over them. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says that Jesus, when he was 12 years old, grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. He grew in favor with God and man. That's why I pray over my kids. God give them favor with you and favor with those in their school. Pray routinely over them. Make time for your family. You want to change the circumstance of your family? Make time for your family. Family, where do you score the most points? At home. Home plate. That's where it counts. Make time for your family. Stay committed. Involve your kids at church. Get them involved in the YSIP program. Get them involved in the LIT program, in the youth program, in the young adults, in the children's ministry. Tell your children and your spouse that you love them and tell them that often. Often. Tell them you love them. Show them physical affection. Give them a hug. Give them a kiss. Hold them close to you. John, in the book of Revelation, it's amazing. Before he goes into his revelation, he says, a hand touched me. All of a sudden, revelation. It wasn't until he got the touch of the Father's hand. Discipline your children as well. Spare the rod, spoil the child. See, the hand is used for blessing. We don't spank with our hand. We spank, but we don't spank with the hand. The hand is, when a hand is outstretched, that's for the blessing. You don't want your kids shrinking back every time you put your hand out. Spare the rod and spoil the child. So what we do is we find the loudest thing possible. I'm giving you some practical parenting things right here. The loudest thing possible that hurts the least, like a, like a flimsy magazine or something really, really loud. In fact, not too long ago, Malachi, my little one who was too embarrassed to come up here, he did something and I told him to turn around. So I got this magazine and I put my hand right by his booty and I went, pow! He went, ah! I didn't even touch him. I smacked my hand, but it was the sound of it. I'm not trying to inflict pain. It's not what it is, but I am bringing discipline to bring correction. You got to continue. It's like, a, it's like a, when you're going down the road, you got to continually keep your family on track. You got to continually readjust that wheel, pray for them every single day. It doesn't got to be long prayers, drawn out prayers, just a little bit and just keep them on, keep them on track, discipline them, exercise self-control. With your mouth, with your words, with your action. The last point is this. Hold on, because if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. God has already given you the victory. Sometimes it doesn't add up. The math doesn't add up. Five loaves and two fish doesn't look like it's going to feed 5,000 and have a remainder of 12 baskets full, but it does. Don't quit. If you don't quit, you will win. Stand to your feet with me. Psalms chapter 23, verse 6 says this, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word follow there means to hunt you down. It means to come find you and to hunt you down. Goodness and love will follow me, will hunt me down. Any hunters in here? You hunt it down. God will hunt you down. I've had to go hunt down some young people in this church in some really, really bad situations. You gotta hunt, hunt your kids down. In fact, hunt them down and haunt them with love. We are hunted down by the Holy Spirit and haunted by the Spirit of God. Hunt you down. That's how much God loves you. 
Thank you, Jesus. We're going to close this service. I want everybody to come forward. Everybody come forward at this time. And as we're praying, we're going to close out as we always do and speak a blessing and send us out into this, this world blessed and fully favored with the anointing and the blessing of our spiritual father, Dr. Hurd. Come on down here. We're going to pray over all of us and send us out now. In just a few moments when we release, if this is your first time here, this is your first time here, we want you to go out these doors to the left in a little conference room over there. We want to greet you. We want to get to know you. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you a little bit about our church, okay? We don't want you to come in and we don't want to lose you in the midst of the masses of people. So when we dismiss, just go out the doors here, take the hard left into the conference room, and we're going to be gathered around at a table. We want to get to know you. Go ahead and turn your attention to the screen. Go out the doors to the left. All the way down the hallway, boom, right in there, conference room. If it's your first time here, okay? We don't want to miss you. We want to make sure we spend some time with you. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 126, 1 through 3. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. How many of you guys have got some fortunes that need to be restored? When the Lord restored the fortunes, the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said amongst the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. You're called to be a gladiator for your family and praise God with gladness. Somebody's got to take a stand in the midst of a circumstance and say, I'm glad that God is with me. I'm the glad dad. I'm the gladiator of my family. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. We got victory in Jesus' name. Lift your hands with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. May we be gladiators for you in the uh, midst of our arena, in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our family situation. May we take a stand and fight the good fight of faith and fight for our kids and fight for future generations. We thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing, the warrior spirit, the, the Holy Spirit coming upon them in such a mighty way like Elijah who had a special strength, who stood up and he ran ahead. God, let them run ahead and make a way for their children and their families. God, bring miracles, healing and miracles, God, whether it be HIV or whether it be cancer or whether it be heart disease or whether it be fever, sickness, whatever it may be, God, God, bring a supernatural, miraculous touch, a healing, financial breakthroughs. God, rain change in our life, financial change, heart and soul change. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May you always be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. May you live a long, blessed, healthy, and prosperous life. May the Lord restore unto you all the fortunes that were taken. Like Job, who had a hedge of protection around him, may God bless you in such a mighty way and put a wall of fire and circle you with a wall of fire and protect you in such a mighty way. And everything that the devil has taken, may you get double for your trouble in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen amen thank you Jesus